0: everyone you're listening to Ed Young Radio Ed Pastor's Fellowship Church and we want to thank you for listening with us These next few minutes together can change your life and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com Enjoy the message
1: Today we are talking about sex <laughs> and we have embarked on this sex experiment over the last 7 days we've challenged couples at Fellowship Church married couples married couples to have sex for seven days. And of, of course we haven't like commanded it, but we suggested it, yes. Lisa. So I, I thought today we would uh, talk about that and talk about seven things that should happen and have happened when we have sex over a week's time. That's
0: great because there is such a depth to understanding how God created sex and has placed it at the center and and, and a huge part of marriages. And so I believe that marriages will be strengthened, they will be deepened. uh, The intimacy level on all fronts, whether it's physical, emotional, the relationship between husband and wife will just be incredible because of this experiment.
1: And you know, it's not that we don't think about sex, we all think about sex, but I don't think that we think deeply enough about it because whenever you connect God with sex or sex with God, People freak. And I think it's been really amazing, Lisa, to see the responses from people, how many have maybe done the pushback at first, but now they're warmly receiving this and welcoming this. And it's causing a lot of people to think it's also causing a lot of believers to to do it. In marriage, because I don't think we're having enough sex in marriage. Well, look a rec- around. The- a
0: recent poll yeah. says, "Well, you gave statistics uh, last week about the poll that said what it was it, 78 percent of fathers did not feel that they were sexually fulfilled; they were not having sex enough." Um, and I saw a recent poll that said that couples who consider their marriages to be above average um, put 81 percent of them; it's, they have a very active sex life. So it definitely is a barometer reading, a temperature gauge yeah, on is. how the marriage is going, and and I like to talk about the romance or the the connectivity with communication. Those are the things that just you know to me say so much about how the marriage is going. But the reality of it is the depth of sex, the the. Uh, part that we we just forget how deeply God thinks of it, what a huge part it plays in our marriage. And so now I'm coming to understand that that is really the temperature gauge. It is,
1: because what happens inside the bedroom affects what happens outside the bedroom. And also what happens outside the bedroom affects what happens inside the bedroom. So during this seven days of sex, yeah, a lot of us have had a lot of sex. For some, maybe it's not been that you can much. Tell right?
0: by those who are smiling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can on tell that by the note, smiles. too, but, but, Ed, we
0: also know that there have been yeah. a lot of issues dealt with this week, and we know that there's been some pain. Exactly. Hopefully, there's been some forgiveness. But if anything could come out of this, because there's not like um, you know, there's not an award for the seven-day challenge. You know, nobody's out here trying to get an award. But there is a reward of what God can do in your marriage. And if there has been some conflict and some difficult times, our prayer is that you've sought help. You know, whether it's going to a Christian counselor or talking to a, a confidant, someone who can give you great biblical understanding. Maybe you're going to revisit some of the teachings of this series just to have that uh, understanding of what God wants sex to be like in your marriage.
1: And almost every married couple we've talked to in years and years and years of teaching about marriage and sex and and speaking at different conferences, almost every couple, almost every couple has said, you know what, I wish we had more sex. And that's why we have these stanchions up here, because these these stanchions represent at least some bedroom barriers that a lot of couples face. Like for example, kids, Mm -hmm. and then this next one is, is the career thing. So many of us have um, dual incomes, and we're going here, going there, and, and this career thing is tough to balance. Then on top of that, the commitments.
0: And then my favorite is fatigue. <laughs> Sometimes Exhaustion. all this stuff, you're just yes. like, I'm so tired, I'm so and, and tired. And these are real barriers, real barriers, real
1: bedroom barriers. And I, I, I think the couples here um, have, have overcome a lot of these barriers because you have made good on this experiment. And I have to confess this, I hate to confess this. <laughs> yesterday, I had a very, very exhausting day. I was up at 4 a.m., meetings, and, and I spoke and, and did a lot of stuff. When I got home, the kids were acting crazy. We're trying to pack to leave for a trip. I said, you know what, I'm gonna go back to our bedroom and just lie down and, and close my eyes. Take now, a little yeah, quick nap. Take a little quick nap, because Lisa and I hadn't done it yet. So, oh God. I, oh God. that's why I said a little nap. So, I went back there, closed the door, and all of a sudden, I was asleep. I'm, I'm talking about, I mean, I was dead to the world. Okay, and, well,
0: I have a confession, too. Okay. Because for the first time ever, I went into the bedroom like, Ed, wake up. You can't go to sleep. You can't go to sleep. I would never have done that if we weren't in the middle of the challenge.
1: <laughs> no. And here's, here's what I said. I've never said this in my entire life. I said, honey, I'm too tired. <laughs> let's just double up tomorrow. You know? <laughs> so I hate to confess that, guys. But
0: don't tell anything else.
1: I won't say anything else. But we, we should not be shy. Let's Is talk that, about that Scripture said, or something say. else. But you know what? We are talking about Scripture because we should not be shy to talk about what God was not shy to write about. It's, it's really interesting. If you read just the book of Song of Solomon, it's so vivid and so explicit. A lot of the translators of the Bible were scared of the Hebrew because it talks about marital love between a man and a woman. It talks about the sacredness and the beauty and the holiness of the marriage bed. So my, my challenge and my hope to all of you would be, hey, keep on doing what you've done this week. In other words, you made it through these these stanchions, these barriers, obviously you negotiated around them and look what happened. Mm -hmm. So that shows you, it shows Lisa and I that we can do it more because I think a great- It's all
0: about priorities. Yeah, it's about
1: priorities. And I think a great take home in in this because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, it says, stop depriving one another. In other words, start fulfilling one another's sexual desires. I believe the take-home is we should try to double up the amount of intimacy that we have in marriage. And when I say intimacy, I'm not talking about holding hands in the park or a back rub. I'm talking about making love in marriage because God invented it, God made it, so we can make it. We're in So marriage. what you're
0: saying is on a, outside of the seven-day sex challenge, yeah. if someone is engaging in sex, once a week. Try double twice up twice twice a week. Yeah. And then from there on.
1: Because again, what happens here affects what happens there. And what happens there affects what happens here. So I want to go through real quick seven things. And I, and I touched on four of these last time. Seven things that happen, Lisa, in this experiment. And and I think I think these will be these will be cool things. So I'm gonna sit down on the bed. You can stand if you want to. I'll stand. And, and <laughs> talk about these things. Now, the the first thing that happens when we make love in marriage is we fulfill God's purpose for our marriage. And that's a huge thing to remember, that we're fulfilling God's agenda that he has for a man and a woman.
0: The second thing that we do is intimacy reveals our true self. That's one thing that I've found throughout this uh, week, that intimacy, tells me, when I look at Ed, I see my best and my worst, and he sees his best and his worst. So it's revealed um, my true self, and I I have to come to terms with that um, in, in the sexual relation.
1: And that's why we talk about marriage being a mirror, and we've written a book about this whole thing, because when you do look at your spouse, you see reflected back your best and you're worse. That's why so many marriages don't have intimacy, and so many marriages end up in the deep weeds, because people don't like what they see reflected back, so they go from relationship, from relationship, they sleep from bed to bed, and when it becomes too close or too intimate, they're out of there. And and too many people too, Lisa, I think can play hide-and-seek in the bedroom.
0: But I think this week, it's like, okay, game's over. Yeah. Because what we've all had to do, those who are participating in this challenge, is to really take a close look at the issues in our own life and, and get those things right and, and out in the open so that we can move past um, the issues and get on to intimacy.
1: And when I say hide and seek in the bedroom, I'm not talking about something crazy. I'm talking about we hide from sex. We hide from making love to our spouse because when we make love, we've got to reveal everything. Nakedness assumes what? intimacy. It assumes vulnerability. In marriage, we're economically naked. We're spiritually naked. We're physically naked. So if we stay away from the bedroom, if we use all of these excuses, and these are real excuses, then we'll never, ever, ever have the intimacy being into me, seeing into me like the spouse should.
0: The third thing that we find through the seven-day sex challenge is that it thwarts sexual temptation and I, I truly believe this is such a huge thing for us to understand: is that uh, if we can have uh, great, fulfilling sex in marriage, then we're helping put like an alarm system around our family, an alarm system around our relationships so that these outside forces—pornography, lust, um, mm-hmm. an extramarital affair—can be, uh, you know, thwarted. It can and help. That.
1: And I don't think neither the husband nor the wife realizes the role that they play in the lust quotient because a desire is from God and the way we steward our desires determines our destiny and our destiny determines our desires. So all desires are God driven. When we do them and do it God's way, we're going to go to a whole nother level. If we don't, we're going we're gonna to meet a whole new devil when we are led around and, and when we bite the lure of lust because uh, the devil does not practice catch and release. No. no, he doesn't. The
0: fourth one is so great because all of us talk about how can we leave a legacy? How can we make a difference for the next generation? And I am confident that, believe it or not, great sex in marriage is a huge part of building a legacy in our children. I think that, um, in fact I know that Ed and I in our relationship because so goes the intimacy sexually, so goes uh, evidence of our forgiveness for one another, so goes our communication skills, so goes all those different things. And our children see that modeled out. Now, they don't see the sacredness of our bedroom, but they know that we have that intimacy because it's reflected in all these different areas. And so, when they go to get married, when they go to select a spouse, they're going to be thinking so deeply about that relationship and what it means and what it stands for. And then also have a benchmark by which the romance, the creativity, the love, uh, and the spiritual leadership uh, that they should be looking for. Mm
1: -hmm. Now the fifth thing is uh, something that, uh, that you don't really think about so often when you're having sex. The fifth thing is, it highlights, I'm talking about sex for seven days, it highlights the real F word. Forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, got quiet. Ephesians 4.32, it says be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Because, Lisa, when you're involved regularly with your spouse sexually, when you're making love intentionally and creatively and lovingly, guess what? You're gonna have to deal with the real F word, forgiveness. You, you, you've gotta got deal with those issues. Well,
0: and in, in that passage of scripture, right before it, it talks about how um, we have to overcome bitterness and anger and harboring ill feelings. And I, I have, you know, I will admit, bitterness can be my friend. It becomes that, that attachment to me that I like to hold on to because... You're you know, Well, I think a lot of women have that. You know, we... It's, guys, guys can, you know, we can do something to a guy. I mean, I can do something to Ed and, yeah. and be mean and, and, and then I ask for forgiveness. He's forgiving me. It's just something that I struggle with, so I'm assuming that other people do as well. And, and that is one of the huge barriers that gets in the way of intimacy. And
1: sometimes, Lisa, you're not gonna have every little thing settled before you go to bed. I mean, that's. But in our
0: commitment to one another, that when we said I do to one another, with that commitment, it wasn't a conditional commitment that, well, not tonight, because we haven't settled every issue. That wasn't the type of commitment that we made.
1: We'd never make love if that were the case.
0: Well, that's probably true, (laughs) but I hope not.
1: No, well, I, we, we, I mean, there's always going to be something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, something. yeah, yeah. yeah I got
0: you. I gotcha. I mean, you always have some things you're dealing with. Right. There's, everything is not perfect. It will not ever be perfect. But because of forgiveness and because we're willing to say, you know what, we're committed, we will work this through. We'll work it out. And but, then yeah, I don't think too many follows. Couples, I see what you're saying. Too
1: many couples go, everything's got to be perfect um, for us to make love. You know, it's got to be a full moon and and, and and the birds have to be chirping and and uh, uh, I don't know, certain song, our song has gotta be on and the candles have to be from a certain company and you know, blah, 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 so I, that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, well, forgiveness is huge.
1: Yeah, it is, it is it's huge. So I, I think and I hope and I pray that we've gotten a lot of that out there and I wanna challenge you again, if you keep facing those same issues, the, 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 the same forgiveness issues, that's when I, I would challenge you to walk through the door of a Christian counselor and talk about it because every marriage deals with the same stuff, but the successful marriages negotiate around those stanchions and they deal with it. Now the sixth thing that that has happened and will happen is it demands, I'm talking about when you make love regularly, it demands unselfishness. Marriage is all about unselfishness. It's, It's about the other person and whenever We have problems in our marriage, and believe me, we do. Guess what? It's my bad. It is my bad. I am not seeking God. I am not listening to him, and I'm kicking him out of the oval office of my life, and I'm running the show, and that is where the wheels begin to fall off. It's like this book that was written uh, several years ago. Uh, this, This author had a phenomenal title, Lord, Change Me. And I think so often I'll say, "Yeah, but Lisa's not doing this, and she's doing this, and blah 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 blah." And that's fine and dandy. But the bottom line is, I got to change before God what I can change as I defer and let Him it's do the deal. It's easy
0: to look at the faults and everything that's wrong with someone else and not pay attention to yourself. But what I have to do is to put Ed's needs above my own. But there's this point system out there that is just, it, it tries to take over my mind, and I'm thinking, well, but he did not consider me at this place or here in this uh, area. And, and the and system is real. And it's real, and so yes. then I'm thinking, but if he only gave 40%, then I'll only give 40%. And that's not what Christ did for us. Nothing. He gave 100% of himself. And remember, the marriage is a reflection of Christ in the church. He gave himself for the church, and we should be that type of, Ed should be that with me, sacrificial love. And so it's 100%. It's not based on how he lives, or how, uh, and he doesn't base his action on my unselfishness. So it's all about fulfilling the needs and serving the needs of the other. But what
1: the scriptures say is that God's grace is sufficient for today. I love that. It's not like, you know, of course it's sufficient forever and ever, but I mean, I think we so freak out about, okay, what about next month and next year? Yeah. It's for we today. Get anxious and about the thing about the point the system future. is the, the, the scoreboard is pretty much erased every day and the, the points, yeah. you know, but, but even sometimes when the points don't look that good, we still challenge couples, Lisa, to make love because even, and, and this is the question I wanted to ask you, and, and this is one of the questions that, that a lot of people now have asked us about this sex experiment. What happens when one is not in the mood, and the other is in the mood? What do you do? And then the singles will ask this one: Well, shouldn't we have sex prior to marriage because it shows, you know, and it reveals to us that we're sexually compatible? How, how do you how do you answer those questions? Well,
0: I'll go with the first one, the one that you're asking about: in the mood, not in the mood. Well, we've always said, you know what? If you say no, say no with an appointment. Not today, maybe t- later tonight. Not tonight, how about tomorrow night? But that no should be given when there is a legitimate... Uh, I even did that last
1: night. I said, not, not I mean, tonight, I'm tired, at, tomorrow.
0: Ed had gotten up very, very early that day. And and he had a full, full schedule. And again, things were going crazy. He just laid down, blah, blah, blah. So it it was not tonight, but with an appointment. So, that is, that's is—that's the exception though, not necessarily the rule. I believe that we, especially women, because we just don't feel it all the time. We don't have those feelings of love and romance. But again, we can act our way into a feeling rather than feeling our way into an action. And when you think like that, then you're willing to Roll with it, kind of. Yeah. Would you say that? I would Roll say. Roll with
1: it. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 5, the passage that we're referring to, Lisa, it, it has revolutionized so many, many marriages over the years. And it's been incredible when people understand, both the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, when you're unselfish, when you're loving one another like, like the Lord wants us to love, it's not about me, it's not about Exhaustion, it's not about being overly committed, it's not about the career or the kids, it's about my spouse, that's the most important relationship. Then you're going to have a very fulfilling and engaging sex life, which transcends every single area in our marriage. So, how I would answer my question the other question I ask you okay, I'm single, I need to have sex, Yeah, yeah, to see if we're compatible. And feel free to weigh in on this no one is perfectly sexually compatible. If you think that, what in the world are you smoking? No one is. So-
0: And and Ed, think about the divorce rate of those who cohabitate. They cohabitate, they they live together, and you'd think, well, then that must be the answer because they figured out they're sexually compatible, and so Mm. that works. But then the divorce rate is the same, if not higher for those who live together before marriage. So it does, that doesn't work.
1: Yeah, you're never going to be there's perfectly a faith, sexual There's compatible. a
0: faith portion. Just as we ha- it's by faith we are saved,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that there's a faith in your marriage. And that, that's an issue that I think we're just not wanting to let God take yeah, care of. Yeah, and here's the of. deal too. We just too, want to be in control of that. You know, that, that, is, that, a is a, that is a
1: lie. I mean, the parts fit. So. <laughs> if you're loving one another selflessly and sacrificially, that's going to take care of itself. Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. The seventh thing yeah, seventh.
0: is that we see through the seven-day sex challenge is that it cultivates creativity. And I would say for Ed and I, this to me has been huge because um, you think about seven days of sex, I mean, that can be kind of monotonous. I mean, let's face it, yeah. you're just, you're again, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not about Uh, completing a task. It's about a deeper meeting. It's about loving each other in a a more significant way, in a more creative way. And so it's helped us think creatively about romance and about how to, I guess you could say, spice up our love life.
1: Spice up our love life because romance and creativity uh, go hand in hand. And and it's, it's easy. I think the guys, we go, yeah, you know, I want more sex. And, and, and yeah, I think there's probably a legitimate point there. But I also think when we begin to have sex regularly, to guys, it's almost like, oh, uh, okay. Because we don't want to think outside the box and be creative and be romantic. So you don't we don't want
0: to think
1: outside the bed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We don't think outside the bed. Whereas uh, women, uh, I believe, are more in touch with their creativity and more in touch with, with romance, but you know, women can work on that too. You know, a lot of women come to bed in those not tonight, honey, nightgowns. Yeah. Guys, that kinda of drop those hints early in the day, like there's gonna be no action tonight. Like, I'm just exhausted. I just, you know, that, that happens. And then, guys, we drop those hints too, like we talk about football games being on and, you know. So, yeah. it, it, it's, it's interesting to me. The whole, the whole dynamic is interesting, but creativity, is something too that snaps the head of people who were not followers of Christ because they they sometimes think, wait a minute, you can be creative in the marriage bed?
0: Yeah, I mean, creativity is just something that's a product of our thought. We have to just start thinking about it. We're not talking
1: about anything Pornographic or entering into that world, not We're tra- not that. But take
0: t- cues from Song of Solomon. Yeah, the book of Song of Solomon. I mean, you talk about Testament. some friends of
1: yours, some some things that they've done in this experiment oh, that have been pretty oh, cool. Oh, yes,
0: I had a friend, and she um, took a picture of her nightgown, her negligee, on the bed. Obviously, she wasn't in it. She took a picture of it; it was just laying across the bed, and she texted it to her husband. I think that was pretty cool. And then she texts a picture of a bath, of the bath with rose petals and candles lit on it. I mean, that's just something. I'm like, God, I didn't think of that. I don't know how to text real well, so it wouldn't have worked very good. I could have sent it to anybody, so that would have been bad. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Not good. But anyway, just um, I know when our kids were younger, um, we would not eat dinner with them have them eat, put them to bed, and then have a picnic in our room with candlelight. I mean, that was the romance, the creativity part. And if you have
1: teenagers, and when it comes to kids, all you got to do is just say, hey, your mom and I are going to get funky tonight. They they won't come (laughs) near your bedroom. They won't even come. They won't even approach it.
0: They'll stay outside in the driveway.
1: <laughs> and people sometimes wonder, how do I get my 20-something to move out of the house? That, that's how you do it. That's good. Those anyway, are
0: seven great things. They
1: are. And I, I, what, I, what I want the take home to be, Lisa, and I know you do as well, is for all of us to see the significance of sex. Because we have such a time in our culture of devaluing it. And, you know, I... Of course, if you, as you hear me say all the time, I love fishing, and one of my favorite pastimes is to tie flies. And when you tie flies, you have to use different materials, different types of feathers and, and thread and things like that it to makes make
0: a huge mess. It does. Big mess all, but all around the makes house. You make some cool flies.
1: So, when you, when you tie the fly, though, you have to have one ingredient that solidifies the recipe, the fly recipe. You know what it is? Super glue. You put super glue at the right spots on that fly, or epoxy, whatever you want to use. It just brings the fly together. It makes the fly durable and tough, and it makes the fly work. Sex in marriage is the super glue. It's the epoxy that holds the entire recipe together. If For far too long, the church has devalued it. We've not talked about it. We've been shy about it. We've acted like sex is a secret when it's just the opposite. So I would tell you, if you've said I do, do it. Do it in marriage. Do it intentionally, do it regularly, do it enthusiastically. God will bless your marriage and He will allow you to leave a legacy like you've never dreamed possible. We're the experts. Let's have sex and let's do it God's way